You're listening to RazorCast, USA's hottest podcast, bringing you cutting-edge interviews from leading industry professionals. Hello, everyone. This is Liz Harvey coming to you from our studios in New York City, where we are dedicated to bringing you top-quality advice from many of the leading expert professionals across the U.S. In today's episode, we are speaking with Dr. John Silva. Dr. Silva is an honors graduate from Barry University in Miami, where he received his pre-medical degree. He also graduated with honors from Life University in Marietta, Georgia. Continually striving to provide his patients with the most effective natural therapies, he also lectures on the subjects of neuropathy and the effects of stress on human health. Dr. Silva has been in clinical practice since 2001 and has helped patients from infants to seniors with many musculoskeletal problems, arthritis, autoimmune disorders, spinal problems, and various neurological conditions. His practice is in Jupiter, Florida, and his current treatment methods are non-invasive, drug-free, and very effective. Today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, autism. Hello, Dr. Silva. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Liz. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining me. So, how do you explain what autism is? Very good question. Autism, uh, as much as it can be complex um, to, under, to understand and never never mind describe, but autism, autism spectrum disorder, as it's commonly referred to as well, or ASD, is generally characterized by social interaction difficulties, uh, communication challenges, and a tendency for a person to engage in repetitive behaviors. Um, and the symptoms and the severity of the symptoms can really vary widely across this whole autism spectrum disorder. Um, it's becoming more prevalent, unfortunately, in our society, and it's typically more pronounced in boys than girls. However, there are plenty of girls being affected, and um, it's typically diagnosed uh, during childhood years. Um, but it, it's a, it can be, again, a complex problem um, that that can affect people in different ways or children in different ways um, from, again, mood disorders, anxiety disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorders to lack of attention, hyperactivity, and in more severe cases where an autistic child would actually lose the ability to communicate or have language or form language or maintain eye contact and have appropriate social uh, behavior or even behavior, behavior in general. And what are some warning signs to look for in someone who might have autism? Typical warning signs would be uh, social inappropriateness. So the ability for someone to, with autism or a child or an adult to maintain eye contact, to have proper verbal and uh, body language when engaged in conversation, um, those are some of the common traits, and again, in more severe cases, I mean, these children do not maintain eye contact whatsoever when you're trying to talk to them. They're looking off in a different direction, and sometimes just the, the act of engaging in conversation them can be an overstimulation for some of these kids or adults, and they, they will, will, will behave outwardly in, in, in uh, bad behavior. So those are some of the common warning signs of, of course, on the more extreme ends is they start having uh, problems with uh, language um, being able to speak properly, um, having difficulty in, in putting words together. Um, another common trait is these repetitive behaviors. Um, they just keep repeating over and over again what would be considered an obsessive-compulsive uh, uh, repetitive behavior. And these can 
be physical in nature, they can be verbal in nature, and again, there's such a wide spectrum, as it's called, the autism spectrum disorder, of these different uh, symptoms or, or traits. And at what age are people usually diagnosed with autism? Autism is typically diagnosed in the early uh, childhood years. Uh, most of the patients that uh, we see in our clinic are typically diagnosed to seems to be between two to five years old as the as the child is development developing um, the parents typically will start to see these these traits or symptoms appearing and and of course bring them to their conventional medical doctor or whoever therapist and um, to start to make that diagnosis so typically in in the earlier year, years of life, however, I have had people who have come to us in their teens. Um, who just over time just slowly progressed and slipped more into um, increased symptoms of autism. And what type of treatments or services are available to people with autism? The typical course of treatment uh, conventionally for autism is things like speech therapy, occupational therapy, uh, physical therapy, behavioral therapy, in my clinic, we take a, a bit different approach by getting to what I consider to the, the root source of the condition, which is the brain. Autism is a brain-based disorder, and we start with a um, what's called a QEEG uh, brain map. We non-invasively can measure brainwave activity to determine and map out where there's dysregulation or dysfunction in the brain. In other words, is the uh, is the brain of an autistic child or adult operating too high, too low, out of balance, out of synchronization. Once we determine that, we then proceed with a, with a procedure called neurofeedback therapy, which uses the same EEG technology, but instead of diagnostically, we're using it therapeutically and, again, non-invasively to help provide um, training to get the brain better regulated and functioning properly. So that's the core of what we use in our practice, and neurofeedback therapy has been used routinely for conditions such as autism since the 1960s. In addition to that, brainwave entrainment therapy, which uses light and sound to stimulate the brain and help the brain to better regulate itself, is wonderful adjunct to neurofeedback therapy, and oftentimes we can actually have a patient do that in the convenience of their own home. Another uh, treatment that's, that's typically um, used either in a home setting or in a clinical setting is different types of oxygen therapy. Most commonly used is hyperbaric oxygen therapy where a person would go into a, uh, a chamber for up to an hour um, using oxygen um, to therapeutically address the dysfunction in the brain. And especially in autism, we need to look at and address underlying metabolic issues. And what I mean by that is things like toxicity. Is there a toxic burden that this child or adult has accumulated from sometimes from, from birth? And um, is there any systemic inflammation, which is this low-grade low inflammation in both the brain and the body that we need to address? And, of course, dietary changes. We need to look to see if there's inadequate nutrition that could be driving the symptoms and traits of autism. And lastly, has there been any recent research done to determine the cause of autism and what can be done to prevent it? There has been uh, quite a bit of research. Um, most of the research seems to point towards um, a genetic uh, trait or genetic expression. 
However, I, I don't like to hang my hat on that so much, um, especially when you see children who, according to their parents, are development are developing normally up until about the age two or three, and then they they seem to take this uh, shift towards um, towards the traits and symptoms of autism when they were otherwise developing normally. So that that's not genetics. In my opinion, genetics is something that you're born with, and you will have that trait or that condition the rest of your life. So I like to look at the genetic issue in terms of what's called epigenetics. If you just take the word genetics and put the uh, prefix EPI in front of it, epigenetics gives us a better explanation of how our genetic expression can be expressed by our external environment, both within our body and externally. So things like stressors, uh, physical stressors, chemical or toxicity stressors, um, inadequate nutrition that can drive the genetic predisposition toward autism and autism uh, symptoms. So that's that's where the, a big push is being done. But again, I, I like to look at it from the perspective of, of epigenetics. And and what I what I see most common as as a um, where the research needs to go and where the cause is is again a toxicity or a toxic burden that sometimes can be from from birth. Um, unfortunately, we've we've learned through research over the last several years that a lot of children are being born with um, toxic burden handed down from from mom. Uh, no fault to mom, she did not know, but um, these kids are being born with an accumulation of toxins, which can definitely affect neurological function in the brain, leading to symptoms and the diagnosis of autism. And a, and a big thing that I also see in clinical practice is inadequate or poor nutrition that's leading to, toward uh, poor brain performance or function. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Silva. We know you're extremely busy, so I just want to thank you for your time and your help today. Great. Thank you so much. And for our listeners across the country, if you are interested in speaking with the doctor, please visit www.drjohnsilva.com or call 561-631-2851 to schedule an appointment. And on behalf of our team, we want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you more top-quality content from our country's leading experts. You've been listening to RazorCast, USA's hottest podcast, bringing you cutting-edge interviews from leading industry professionals.